Entrepreneurs, it's Friday. It has been a while since we went into the world of finance, but the wait is over. This week, we are welcoming Paul Neal, who runs a firm that focuses on helping entrepreneurs, businesses, and real estate investors win by funding their growth and dreams in non-traditional ways. So I'm excited to learn more about this. His unique perspective has been honed over 30 years as an entrepreneur, financial strategist, professional speaker, and executive coach. I learned he took the road less traveled by choosing to leave the engineering right out of college to become a serial entrepreneur and from great early successes in the 90s and 2000s to completely losing his primary business in the Great Recession of 2008. That's right when I went into college. I remember those times to bouncing back and just recently selling another business for a healthy seven-figure sum. Today's guest has experienced it all. I can't wait to dive in. Some other areas of discussion are going to include why you need a lending partner on your team, why the bank is not your friend, how to buy out your partner, understanding the three legs of the lending stool, how and why to own the building you rent, and for far less than you think, and so much more. I am very excited to bring on the founder and owner of Vantage Point Commercial Capital. And stay tuned for the spotlight story at the halfway point as we are joined by an entrepreneur who helps other entrepreneurs with funding. We're going to dive into a great article from Entrepreneur Online titled, Five Things Entrepreneurs Need to Know When Raising Capital. I'm ready to kick this show off. Paul, why did you become an entrepreneur? <laughs> well, hey, Vincent, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to share with you and your uh, your listeners today. So, um, I, you know, why did I become an entrepreneur? It's, it's really, you know, I didn't wake up one day, you know, was born saying, hey, I'm going to I'm going to build businesses when I grow up. Um, it, it was more about uh, the road that I didn't want to travel. So I yes. I was I was pretty good in math and science in school and always thought I was going to be an engineer because I was creative. And that's what my dad did. And that's when I went off to school to study. And uh, the best thing happened to me along the way. I um, I took a job during school. Um, the the school I went to had a co-op program. So basically you would you'd be in school for a semester or two, then you'd work for a semester and then back and forth. And so it was at that point that I figured out that um, I, I really did not like the 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 constraints of a, of a nine to five kind of job. And, you know, I had I always had big dreams and desires and things I wanted to pursue. In fact, it's funny, my, my wife now, who was my girlfriend back in the day, uh, used to laugh because she would come over and I had a I had a, a picture on my wall um, as a teenager. It was a Porsche 911. And, uh, and a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger all buffed up and, and, you know, great 16, 18 year old. Right. And so, uh, she's like, man, this guy's going somewhere. He's got big dreams. And then, and then when I started working, I realized that, you know, I didn't see that coming to fruition in that path. And I didn't really, I didn't really, the environment was kind of stifling. And so, um, it was that point that I felt like there was, there was a different path that I, that I wanted to take, you know, ultimately. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. I'm there with you. I went to school for finance and I share this from time to time. I wanted that corner office with the job title and the money. And then once I got a small taste of it, other areas of my life were very unfulfilled and I was not very happy or motivated at this job. I felt like I was more capable of the few tasks I was given. And also I never had a mentor figure in any of my financial internships, mm. turn jobs, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Merrill Lynch. I never really had someone that lighted the fire under my butt that really 
lit it up in me. And then once the adversity came my way with the car accident, I eventually got one foot in, one foot out, said no more of that. I'm going all in entrepreneurship. And that's led me to this great conversation today with Paul Neal by launching That Entrepreneur Show. Welcome back, everyone. And Paul, thank you for starting us off. I am Vincent A. Lancey, and I'm very excited for this show. As I mentioned in the beginning, we're going to talk a lot about raising capital. And that goes for someone who has a business or wants to start a business. These are great things just to know so you can be prepared. And entrepreneurship bring prepared is half the battle I've found. But let's kick off the show here, Paul. What is one of your greatest lessons learned in entrepreneurship? You've had a very, very storied career. I'm looking forward to this one. I think that um, reflecting over it, I've had six or seven businesses in my career. And, and again, I've had some some winners, some losers. Yep. Um, and I think that the the biggest takeaway I can bring to the table is you have to be flexible. I think that's one of my, maybe one of my gifts. You know, everyone has certain gifts, but being able to not be a chameleon, but to be able to reinvent yourself and adjust and be, yes. you know, um, the, you know, the market doesn't really care what you want. And, and, and I, I learned that the the hard way. So you have to, you have to adjust, you know, to, to build. So, so I was, I've always tried to build businesses that would support my life as opposed to be making my life, you know, my business, my life. Yes. Um, and, and so I'm all, you know, as, as the world has changed, you know, gosh, my first business started in 1990. So it's changed a lot. Right. And so, you know, back then we had these things called fax machines, which you probably don't even know about anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had a fax machine in, yeah. in my house. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, the, the things, the world's changed a lot. And so you have to, you have to adjust with it. And so what might be a winning idea today might not be a winning idea two years from now. Um, and so the, so the converse of that is the opportunity opens that, you know, maybe you don't have the idea right now that's going to be your, your, your winner, but maybe next week you will, maybe mm -hmm. something will happen. An opportunity will pop. And I've always tried to think about, you know, what can I do next? How can I do something better? What's the next direction for me? Mm -hmm. Um, just to try to stay creative. So I think, I think really reinventing, um, being, being never getting comfortable, uh, in, in your, in your, position because if, if you do get some modicum of success it's easy to kind of get comfortable and uh, that's uh that's the i think brian tracy called the comfort zone the danger zone yeah um because that's really what it is yes and that happened to me i learned early learning lesson i got comfortable after my first larger check where i didn't take my foot off the gas i just didn't pursue the next opportunity it was one of those things where now i learned okay you close one deal you still work on the next one right away I took too much time in between. I got a lot of podcast recordings, got a lot of writing done. But as far as monetizing, it was still an early lesson learned as I was transitioning the passion to a business. So that's great, great uh, advice there, Paul. Thank you for that. I'd like to talk yeah. about your business though more. Let's talk more about yeah. your current business. So yeah, uh, Vantage Point Commercial Capital. So we focus in three areas, uh, commercial real estate, business acquisitions, and growth capital. We're really focused in on the on the. We don't do a whole lot with startups. Really, we're in the million to $30 million revenue range is where we focus and um, do a lot of commercial real estate and business acquisition funding. And, um, you know, it's um, it's been fun helping business owners build wealth in yep. those areas, you know, not just to get because once you get a business up and running and now you have some cash flow, 
now it's like, what do I do with this cash flow? How can I reinvest it to make my business better, to start mm-hmm. creating some wealth um, through the real estate, through maybe acquiring other businesses or growth that way? And um, it's, right. it's been a lot of fun. Finding your ways to grow. That's something that's exciting for me as I progress in this journey, finding what's next. And for me, all of the activities related to the hit and run I was with is one part of my life and it hasn't even fully flourished yet. But for me, it's almost more important what the next chapter is something that's completely separate. So I have my mind in a million places. Like I'm sure you do seven businesses already, the true entrepreneurial spirit. But before we get to that spotlight story, I want to ask you, what are two of the more challenging areas of entrepreneurship? Something to help out everyone listening on. Well, you just talked about it. So, you know, all the ideas that are churning downstream for you, I think, I think the biggest challenge that entrepreneurs are creative, you know, by nature, it's we want to, we want to, we want to grow things. We want to, you know, we're the modern day alchemists, right? We want to turn lead into gold. And we always have these ideas and that's great. But at the same time, you know, it's like planting a bunch of seeds at the surface level and then digging them up. So I think, I think the two biggest issues are focus and discipline. Uh, discipline is, is um, most people, you know, they, 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 they recoil at the, at the, at the thought of discipline because discipline implies pain and, you know, monotony and whatnot. And it does, but really disciplining areas of your life creates more freedom and flexibility because if you discipline yourself to do the things that are the most important things, you know, the, so you can focus on and identify what are the key things? Where do I invest my time? You know, we could have a whole conversation about the Pareto principle and the 80-20 rule. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, what are the key things that I can do to bring the most value? That's where I need to spend my time day in and day out, focusing, disciplined. And then outside of that, I have a lot of flexibility to be undisciplined because I know I'm getting the, you know, the principal right. things done. But I think those are the two things. And those are the areas that being an entrepreneur, it's easy to chase the, you know, the rabbit down the hole. It's easy to chase the new shining object. You know, every day we're getting in our email, some new cool piece of technology that's going to transform everything for us. The silver bullet, right? You know, just uh, we're, we're the answer you've been waiting for. Just build this funnel, just do this. And the reality is all of it may work a little bit, but the reality of the matter is it's really the key thing is, can you, can you block? Can you tackle? Can you catch the ball? You know, and I, and I say these things because my team is horrible in all three of those areas. <laughs> so, you know, it's like if they could just get that stuff worked out, then I think, you know, they'll start winning some games. And at the end of the day, you know, until you get that right, you might get lucky here or there, but you're not going to build a sustainable business. So um, and I would say, you know, business is just one aspect of your life. And I think that for me personally, one of the ways, cause I, I don't think I was, I was a greatly disciplined um, youth. I, I really wasn't, but I learned to become disciplined through areas outside of business. Like um, I started running and um, I started, I started um, having quiet time every day and focus and it just doing some things that, that forced me to, you know, fill this time consistently, regularly, and then that bleeds over into the business world. Like, okay, I can apply the same skill here to, mm-hmm. you know, the my number one activity that I need to spend my time on. I love that applying the skills you learned here and transitioning them over. And it goes both ways, I think. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship, always finding ways to grow in the least expected places sometimes for me. But I think now it is a great time to hop in the spotlight story. We have an all-star on the show today, 
leadership expert. Now we're going to look at raising capital here and then bring Paul back on to get his take on it. The article is titled Five Things Entrepreneurs Need to Know When Raising Capital. Again, it is from Entrepreneur Online. And here's how it starts. In the U.S., 2021 has been a record-shattering year for entrepreneurship. The number of entrepreneurs has soared as people seek out new jobs and more fulfillment in their careers and lives. This is post-COVID. A lot of people can agree with this. Crunchbase reported that venture capital funding went through the roof in the first half of the year, $288 billion invested globally, surpassing the already unprecedented second half of 2020 by nearly $110 billion. This is great news for most entrepreneurs who have traditionally dipped into their own savings to get businesses up and running. The average small business requires 10 grand in startup capital, according to the Wells Fargo Small Business Index. But in reality, most start out with less than five grand, meaning their personal networks aren't enough and additional capital is necessary. We're going to talk about a few of these five things. And the first one is determine if your idea is viable. Before you even think about fundraising, These are steps you should take to understand the industry you're entering and determine if the idea is feasible. Don't let your passion for your idea or your eagerness to get started interfere with your ability to objectively evaluate your idea and determine if it could be sustainable. The article has two words for you, market research. Conducting market research is the most effective way to gain insight into the industry, excuse me, you're entering. Gauge demand, understand the competition, and determine the size of the opportunity, this is where you should devote significant resources in the early stage. Some other ones they say here, know your audience, access scalability, learn from the mistakes of others, and build a roadmap. I'd like to talk about build a roadmap. If you want to compel investors to put their money and faith in your business, you'll need to create a detailed business plan. Among the standard business information, it should include the milestones you aim to reach and when. The more thorough your plan, the better. This not only helps you organize the trajectory of your business, but also lets investors in on your vision. And the last one we're going to go into detail with before bringing Paul on is assess scalability and ask yourself, if your product or service is addressing a gap in the market, is it sustainable? What is the competition like and how crowded is this market? Are you being transparent with what you offer and how much are you charging? In this article's experience, businesses that fail were steered by owners who weren't honest about pricing. Thoroughly exploring these questions will help you determine the scalability of your new business. Paul, what are some takeaways you have from this article? Yeah, well, I think the takeaway number one is there's a, there are a lot of people out there that want to own their own business, right? And um, they, they want to escape the uh, the hamster wheel of the job and the, yeah. and the, the nine to five fluorescent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, drain from your your life um and i applaud that i think i think the biggest takeaway for me just listening to it is you know the the idea of you know is your is your idea viable you know and and i think you know i talk to a lot of people that want to start businesses or they have startup businesses and they want funding and the question is in fact i had a group that just a couple weeks ago i met with that have raised a decent amount of money for a product but they've done limited testing and, you know, they talked to me about raising a pretty significant amount. And, and, you know, I asked them, well, what's your track record in terms of how, how do we know this is going to take off? Right. Um, they have the plan. They, they have, they have a product or a certain, in this case, a, a product. But I think, I think you can do market 
research all you want. And I think you can write a plan. And I think that's all critical in the very beginning. But you also have to you have to test. You have to test your idea. You have to test your service. You have to determine is there is there a does somebody else in the market think it's worth paying you for that? You know, at the end of the day, because if that's the case, if you can sell your idea, your your product or service to one person, then you you at least okay, that's the hardest sale you ever make. And then as you start sort of, I'm an advocate of a little bit of bootstrap in the beginning because you're testing, you know, to try to find out. Like these guys, they they did some testing and they thought their product was going to be a home run and they found out version 1.0 was flat. Nobody was interested. But after about six months of of trying it, they stumbled into like an alternative benefit that they hadn't considered up front that really actually has sizzle. And now people are really starting to, to have a lot of interest in. So you can't, I don't think you can write that out on a, I'm, I'm, I, I love planning, I'm, you know, planning. It's what do they say? You know, plan to go to war. And then as soon as the shots are fired, first shots fired, you throw your plan out. Um, and back to my thing about reinventing mm-hmm. and being flexible, and that's the name of the game. But if you have an idea that you can test and that there's some, you can you can exchange dollar bills for it in a way that's profitable, or at least you could become profitable. Then I think you have the seed of something that um, you know you can you can build on. Yes, another more great points. Test your product, test your service, and it may be overlooked. But now that's a great example you just gave about firsthand experience out there. Paul does great work. You may be interested in his services. Stick around to the end of the show. He's going to share where to find him, where to find all he does, how to contact him and more. But first, it's a great time for the show because we get to learn from Paul to help you. If you can recommend one book, app, workshop, tool, anything that helps you succeed as an entrepreneur that can help our audience, what do you offer? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. So... I think uh, one of the one of the most uh, impactful books that I've read in the last year, uh, which is really an interesting philosophical shift for me, is a book called "Go for No" by Richard Fenton. And the reason I like it is because everyone is geared to, particularly if you're an entrepreneur, you want to win, right? We want we want to make that sale. We want to we want to you know get that check, but philosophically, if we can align ourselves, because we know there's going to be a certain number of no's before you get every yes. And instead of getting, you know, being afraid of the no, where most of us are an entrepreneur, because we're afraid of being somebody rejecting our idea or a business, whatever, but flip the script and say, no, I'm going to get this week, I'm setting out to get 10 no's or I'm getting 20 no's. And because out of that, I know I'm going to get some yeses. And the other thing is if I get a yes after like two or three no's, I've already committed to get another 15 no's for the week. So how many more yeses could I get versus stopping early? It's just a really, it's a, it's a fast read. You can probably read it in an hour. Um, and I think he has workshops and training and so forth as a partner. I think his now is his wife that, that they, they do this, but I just thought that was a really interesting way to approach, you know, this, this idea of, of, of sales for, for an entrepreneur, which is critical because you have to be, you're going to be the number one salesperson of your business. If you're an entrepreneur, right? I love that. I had to put that in the show notes when this goes live. We are trained for yes, but for me, and it's a, it was hard to learn. Every no is a learning lesson every single time. No, because I'm trying to be in schools an unfathomable about of no's. I'm talking thousands <laughs> in the thousands of no's because of no one on their emails worrying about that so much to do. 
less budget, less opportunity, so much adversity, but I wasn't giving up. No, no, no. But then I started tailoring and tweaking what I was writing. Mm. And then all of a sudden I did and was able to get in contact with principals through the gatekeepers, all of that. Thank you for inspiring me from that answer and all questions and all show. But for now, before we go, who would you choose to learn from any entrepreneur dead or alive? <laughs> well, I'm sure he's divisive to probably half of your audience, but uh, I would say Donald Trump today. Okay. Um, he embodies a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of people don't like his personality and I get that part, but he, he embodies this concept of reinventing himself always and has been successful through lots of adversity over his life. Um, and is still going at his age, has still got a very Crazy. high level of energy. And he does clearly doesn't have to work or do anything. He's got more money than you know the government does. So <laughs> um, but and and I think the thing that he does he's done so well in his life, it appears to me from the outside, is surround himself with really high quality people that are that are really, really smart and make good choices. And I think that's one of the secrets as well. Surrounding yourself with the people to help you succeed. Find people to turn your weaknesses into strengths. Always ask questions, learn from others. Love it. Thank you, Paul, for a great show. It has been lights out. Where can everybody find you online? Yeah. Hey, uh, Vincent, I put together a little uh, a little resource for your listeners, for entrepreneurs. It's okay. the key questions that you must ask and get answered before you seek funding. And I popped that on my website. I put, I put up a, sep- a special oh, page just for your listeners. And here's the, the website. It's VPC victorpaulcharlie.capital there's no.com so vpc.capital slash podcast and then a dash t-e-s for that entrepreneur show okay resource for everyone listening on again it's the key questions you must ask and get answered before you seek funding that's at vpc.capital slash podcast slash t-e-s Paul, thank you for that offer. Is there anywhere else we can find you online? Um, yeah, just come to our main website, vpc.capital. Right. And uh, our phone number's there. If, you, if you've got a funding situation, you're looking to acquire some real estate or a business acquisition um, or growth capital, you can click the button and schedule a 15, 20-minute conversation with me. We'll just have a, cool. a conversation and see if uh, you know there's a fit and uh, the timing's right. And we'd just love to have a conversation. Great. Thank you for sharing. Everyone, be sure to check out that resource and reach out to Paul if you think he is a good fit for you. And I am at Vincent A. Lancey on all social media and YouTube. Be sure to check out the YouTube for some behind-the-scenes video clips from this interview on That Entrepreneur Show on all social media. Hashtag That Entrepreneur Show to find all posts everywhere. With that, I am signing off until next week. Paul, thank you so much for stopping by. Vincent, thanks. It was a I had a blast. Me too. Thank you, Paul.